Hello and welcome to episode one of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I am your host, Daniel Torridon. Uh, before we begin this episode, I just need to correct something I said on episode zero. Uh, I said I exited Jehovah's Witnesses in 2009. Uh, that was a slip up. I left in 2019 when I was disfellowshipped for the second time. Uh, 2009 was when I was reinstated after my first disfellowshipping in 2006. It's all numbers and dates with Jehovah's Witnesses and they all blur into one after a while. So, as I mentioned last time, I was uh, born to parents who were Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, They had themselves been raised by witness parents. So I'm colloquially known as a third generation born in. Uh, There we go, now you know. So my family goes way back in Jehovah's Witnesses. My grandfather on my father's side identified as one of the anointed with uh, a heavenly hope. My dad, born in 1938, didn't, but his claim to fame was that he got sent to prison in 1956 for refusing national conscription. My mum and dad married in 1958 and moved to a little town in the UK called Spalding in the country uh, county rather of uh, Lincolnshire where they served as pioneers or full-time evangelizers, preaching from door to door as I did later. I was born in 1969 and my sister joined me two and a half years later. So from infancy I was taught that Jehovah's Witnesses were the truth and groomed by my parents to become a witness. Uh, There was never any doubt that I would grow up to become a fully-fledged Jehovah's Witness. From as early as I can remember, I was told that my life depended on strict, unquestioning obedience to Jehovah God's laws as interpreted by the Society, a uh, reference to the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which was responsible for providing publications such as the Watchtower magazine to Jehovah's Witnesses around the world. Uh, God's War of Armageddon was just around the corner. Soon, very soon, Jesus was going to kill everyone who wasn't a Jehovah's Witness men, women and children. This was indelibly imprinted on me by my parents, by speakers at the Kingdom Hall meetings I attended three times a week and in the society's publications that I read as a child. My survival was conditional not only on believing what I was being taught but on going from door to door and warning complete strangers of their impending doom if they too didn't join Jehovah's Witnesses. So I became 
an unbaptized publisher selling the Watchtower and Awake magazines from door to door when I was just four years old. I also joined the Theocratic Ministry School and gave Bible readings from the uh, platform at my local Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses when I was just four years old. As a young child, I took the truth very seriously and developed an extremely sensitive conscience due to the many do's and don'ts contained in the Watchtower publications and expounded from the platform at the Kingdom Hall. Watchtower publications such as Listening to the Great Teacher and From Paradise Lost to Paradise Regained designed for children taught me to think in absolutes Jehovah or Satan good or evil uh, life or death graphic artwork showed worldly people screaming in terror as the ground opened up and swallowed them at Armageddon but nothing could compare to the fear of studying the chapter about masturbation in the 1976 book Your Youth Getting the Best Out of It. God's favour and everlasting life were presented as dependent on avoiding this terrible sin of masturbation which was described as unclean, uh, self-abuse and a practice that could lead to homosexuality and of course death at Armageddon now I was six years old when I first read about those things and it scared me senseless thereafter any time I didn't quite meet up to Jehovah's standards whether that be a lie uh, a naughty word masturbation as I entered puberty I experienced severe pangs of guilt and deep feelings of unworthiness thinking that I would be buried under a pile of rubble at Armageddon uh, on the other hand whenever I did the right thing according to Jehovah's Witnesses I couldn't help but feel judgmental of those around me who were sinning uh, both inside and outside the organisation so a feeling of us and them was instilled in me from a very young age Understandably, at school, I was somewhat of a loner. I became known as Jovo and was constantly bullied for not partaking in religious assemblies or celebrating Christmas or birthdays. My sensitive nature and my desire to be a good boy also attracted the attention of an unscrupulous teacher who sexually abused me when I was just 11 years old which resulted in me having a full-on mental breakdown, basically, and my parents taking me out of school for three years to recuperate. Then as I entered my teen years and returned to school, I inevitably discovered what masturbation actually was. This resulted in what I can only say was the most indescribable feelings of guilt due to the youth book's portrayal of it as self-abuse, uh, 
due to having been sexually abused earlier in life, I found it terribly difficult to talk to my parents about anything sexual. Although I did once confess to my father that I'd uh, played with myself. That's how he referred to it. And even another congregation elder on one occasion. In both instances, I was reminded that masturbation was an unclean habit. I was told try not to do it again and advised to pray to God when I felt tempted. Needless to say, that didn't work. Uh, Prayer after the fact, I suppose, helped to absolve my troubled pubescent conscience, but only until the next time I sinned against the sovereign of the universe. Uh, I think to console me, and maybe to help me not feel too guilty, my dad showed me a Watchtower article that discussed how even elders in the congregation might have, and I quote, a temporary bout with masturbation. However, all it did was create a feeling of dissonance. Uh, The article was laden with guilt-inducing terminology. It described masturbation as a secret sin, uh, unclean, self-defilement, self-abuse, contrary to nature, and a hurtful desire. It also noted that abnormal, mentally deranged people are notorious masturbators, as are many mentally disturbed priests and nuns. However, it went on to state, if he, that's the elder, fights it and gains the victory, he need not feel disqualified as an elder. That was from the Watchtower, September 15, 1973 on page 569 to a 13-year-old kid this was heavy stuff and full of mixed signals i mean the article did nothing to define how long a temporary bout was or what constituted habitual masturbation was it once a month once a week every day it didn't say so i concluded that if a congregation elder supposedly appointed by the holy spirit could masturbate i I don't know once twice how many times and still remain qualified to serve as an example of faith to the congregation then definitely an unbaptized adolescent could be forgiven for succumbing to his appetites on occasion especially if he was trying to fight it and gain the victory as the watchtower said nevertheless i continued to feel crushed with guilt whenever i yielded to my hurtful desires and i spent my teenage years praying to jehovah to help me to be good as i reached 16 i began to feel the pressure to make a personal stand for the truth and get baptized my sister who was more than two years younger than me was due to get baptized at the next large assembly of jehovah's witnesses and to be honest i felt left out Um, my mum then had a chat with me and explained things in the simplest most black and white terms that i could either serve jehovah and live or be a part of satan's world and die I had to choose. So in 1986, despite still occasionally dabbling in my secret sin from time to time, I was baptized by full immersion in water and 
As was expected of young ones leaving school, I went straight into regular pioneering six months later, which involved uh, devoting 90 hours, I think it was at the time, each month to the door-to-door preaching work while supporting myself with a crap part-time job. I was a uh, delivery boy, delivering beds and mattresses for a business owned by a family of Jehovah's Witnesses. £30 a week they paid me. Uh, The rest of the time I trudged around the territory trying to palm off copies of the Watchtower and Awake in the hope I might sell a full year's subscription to the magazines. As a pioneer back then, if you sold a subscription, you got to keep half the money. I think it was something like five pounds. Um, But it, you know, it was something. As a pioneer spending most of my time in the evangelizing work, I quickly gained a reputation among Jehovah's Witnesses as a spiritual man. Even though I would say at this time my relationship was more with the Watchtower Society than with God. Uh, The accolades, of course, made me feel accepted, special. But inside, I didn't really feel very spiritual. Serving Jehovah felt very mechanical and formalistic. I vividly remember the day I asked an elder why is this the truth Uh, looking back now I can see that I was starting to have doubts about being a Jehovah's Witness even then at 18 years old but those doubts were quickly buried after attending the 1988 Pioneer Service School this two-week training program for pioneers was intensive eight hours a day for two weeks studying how the organisation worked, how to be effective at converting people on the doors, um, how to study properly to get the most out of the Watchtower publications. I didn't realise at the time, but it was basically a crash course in how to be a good Jehovah's Witness, not so much how to have a relationship with God or Jesus, although they did touch on some of that. But overall, it was teaching you how to conform to the organisation, how to be a JW poster boy or girl. What it did do, which kind of backfired in later years, was teach me how to question scriptural things. At 23 years old, I was then appointed as a ministerial servant, which is a helper to the congregation elders. I did various jobs like look after the preaching uh, territory assignments. I looked after the PA equipment at the Kingdom Hall. And as a natural teacher and speaker, I was given quite a lot of uh, platform assignments, public talks and so forth. So over the next few years, um, I married, had children and honed my skills as a spiritual teacher so that when I was 30 years old, I was asked to serve as an elder. Now, the elders in my congregation didn't really like me because I tended to challenge their authority quite a bit. Basically, uh, most of them were incompetent old duffers. Sorry, but they were. And I would point this out to them, (laughs) which they didn't take kindly to 
fortunately we had a circuit overseer who also thought that they were incompetent old duffers and he forced my appointment as an elder through uh, I think he was hoping that I would be able to shake things up a bit and get things done in a more organised way anyway I went on to have many privileges in Jehovah's service over the next few years uh, assembly and convention speaking parts talks at the elders schools uh, pioneer schools I also served on several judicial committees which are disciplinary trials designed to either reprove rehabilitate or disfellowship expel uh, wrongdoers in the congregation as a pioneer elder, I was then asked by the circuit overseer to move to a congregation where there was a greater need. So in 2000, I moved into a congregation that was experiencing problems with their body of elders. So of the eight men serving, four felt that the others were not following the society's directions and so in protest they had resigned their appointments and were now demanding the deletion of the remaining uh, four elders this as you can imagine resulted in a massive schism where half of the congregation defended the serving elders and the other half supported the ones who had resigned so tensions were running high between the two sides and in the end the society had to get involved after a discussion with the circuit overseer myself and another elder from somewhere else moved into the congregation tasked with restoring some sense of uh, peace and unity I was assigned to conduct the theocratic ministry school the uh, teaching school which helped JWs uh, learn how to preach from door to door and on the platform and my fellow troubleshooter was appointed as the presiding overseer, which back then was kind of the guy in charge. The edict from the circuit overseer was that I should remain neutral and not side with either of the warring factions, but that I should support the new presiding overseer, who was not only very experienced, but supposedly also very neutral. However, over the course of three years, I discovered that he was not at all impartial, but had been in collusion with the elders who had resigned all along. Uh, within a year of moving into the congregation, he'd convinced the circuit overseer to delete all four of the remaining elders. And as a young elder with instructions to support him, I simply went along with the decision thinking I was following theocratic direction uh, next another three impartial elders were sent to assist us but in a very short period of time the presiding overseer had ingratiated himself to them and had them eating out of the palm of his hand so it wasn't long before his mates uh, the four elders who had originally resigned were reappointed I think the only person on the body of elders who raised any objections to them serving again was me, which didn't make me very likeable. 
as a new elder, I prided myself on knowing and enforcing the society's rules, having practically memorised the elders' secret handbook, pay attention to yourselves and all the flock. And I set a very high standard both for myself and for my fellow elders. Frankly, I didn't think any of them were qualified. They were all very fleshly men, not at all spiritual in any sense of the word. And most of them were rubbish at teaching from the platform. Also, as time went on, I began to see how much control some of these elders, especially the presiding elders here, had over people's lives and relationships. And it just didn't sit right with me. By now, the presiding overseer had seized uh, complete control. He had such a powerful personality that it was difficult to say no to him. Basically, whatever he decided should happen in the congregation generally took place. Uh, he made a particular habit of blocking the appointments of anyone who could pose a threat to his authority so I watched him acquiring more and more power and I began to feel increasingly uncomfortable about supporting him. He was in every way a bully and a narcissist with an extremely judgmental personality. I actually even wondered uh, seriously if he was a psychopath. He certainly seemed to fit the pattern. He had this superficial charm and uh, a kind of grandiose sense of self-worth but you could also flip on a dime and be cold callous and uh, calculating when it came to getting his own way i by this time wanted nothing to do with his plans for world domination so determined not to be like him i began to concentrate more on shepherding the flock of God than enforcing watchtower rules, uh, preferring to use the Bible as my guide rather than the pay attention book, and the seemingly never-ending number of policy letters we were receiving from the society at the time. As I did so, I became, I think, more uh, spiritual in my outlook and, dare I say, more Christ-like even sadly what I viewed as being reasonable and merciful and forgiving like Jesus was seen by the presiding overseer to be watering down God's laws uh, for him it was all about laws and rules by that I mean the society's policies and procedures as laid out in great detail in the uh, elders book not so much what the Bible said at all it was clear that my softer approach was appreciated by the members of the congregation and I became the uh, go-to elder for ones with problems. I was especially popular with the young ones who found me approachable and someone they could confess their sins to, uh, usually misdemeanours of a sexual nature such as masturbation. Um, this in turn resulted in jealousy on the part of the other elders who felt sidelined I think and especially the presiding overseer who seemed to think I was upstaging him 
I anticipated that it was only a matter of time before I would draw his criticism and my own qualifications as an appointed man would be brought into question. So there we go. That's how I went from a four-year-old publisher to a 30-something-year-old elder in a congregation ruled by a psychopath. That's all for this episode. Join me next time as I'll tell you about my JW marriage and how I nearly left the organisation in 2004. And remember, we are all one, so let's be nice to each other.